Hello, my friends, and welcome to this conversation on grace. I'm here with the trendsetters of Broadway United <laughs> Methodist Church. Oh, wow. Wayne I've been Hunter. A lot of things, but I'm not sure I've ever been called that. And you guys can't see this, but uh, Wendell Van Valen looking quite dapper and handsome in his new haircut, and I believe a, a trimmed beard yes. as well. Yes, yes. Thanks to my wife. <laughs> And one of those clipper things where you can put all the different heads on. Yeah. Those things work. See how pretty I am? You, well, you can't see on the podcast, <laughs> right. but take take my word for it. I'll, I'll agree. It's uh, He looks like something. Y'all back <laughs> off. Back off. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm Wayne. I'm uh, And he looks good. Well. His hair's been cut. Yes, I am a big fan of Wayne's sweater today and his sweater game in general. Well, I, I started off with the uh, Mr. Rogers look, but I've kind of graduated from that and gone to something a little more, uh, I'm not sure you'd say, call it hipster-esque, probably somewhere between Mr. Rogers and hipster. <laughs> All right, so enough of this foolishness. I'm Wendell. Um, before long, we're going to have everybody clamoring for a video instead of an audio <laughs> podcast because they're going to want to see all this beauty in this room. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Let's bring this back down to earth with some grace talk. Um, today we're going to talk about, uh, we've been describing this grace thing as in a, uh, from time to time as a dance and, and talking about our human encounters and even our relationship with God as a, as a dance, trying to... to uh, Put the flavor of intimacy and celebration and uh, maybe vulnerability. Some of those ideas, when you talk about a dance, uh, instead of some sort of duty or some sort of job we have to do. So this relationship we have, if you see it as a dance, uh, our human encounters, um, traditionally, in terms of religion, traditionally have been, if I'm going to show grace to somebody, it's probably going to be in the form of some sort of information that I'm going to impart the truth that I have to them. And, and so I'm going to present this information and I'm going to present it well. I'm going to make it, uh, I'm going to study, you know, and, and refine so my approach is slick and, and my marketing skills are there, you see. So, so they buy what I have to say. And so if, if I can't woo them, with a slick presentation, then then I move to overwhelming them with some sort of a, oh, almost a, an insisting, like an invasion thing. So it, it kind of goes from, I'll be nice as long as you'll let me, and if you don't listen to my, my wisdom and my grace, then I'm going to say it a little louder and, and say it a little more emphatically. And, and then I walk away basically with the idea, well, I got that job done. I don't know. It's up to them what they do with it. You know, I got the job yeah. done. I've had people approach me that way, and I'm sure they went home thinking I graced that poor fool. <laughs> and me yeah. thinking, why am I bleeding? Yeah. <laughs> and so we want to, we want to, that's the negative side. We want to go to the positive side now. So if that's not the dance we want to do, what dance do we want to do? Yeah. I, yeah. I think we, we try to measure so much of our lives. Our spirituality, we want to know if we're doing it right, if we got the job done or not. And our tendency is to think that we have given grace to somebody when we fix their problem. And I don't think that's at all what uh, what Jesus was about or what uh, the kingdom is about. I think it's more this idea of being present 
and authentic and vulnerable with people, that that's where healing and connection occurs. I think that's what grace is about. It's more about healing and, and connection than it is about uh, getting the job done or passing information even, that this idea that information can fix things, that I can tell you something that will make things better. I'm not sure that that happens very often, really. What do you think facilitates transformation best? I, th- I think transform. you know, it's the old saying, it's not taught, it's caught. I think there's this sense in which um, when... I think we transformation in my life occurs when I have a the an opportunity to practice something uh, that I feel awkward about or that is not yet not yet who I am even this idea of being gracious to others or loving people uh, transformation happens when I have the opportunity to practice that even to someone who gives me the courage or creates a space where it's okay to do it awkwardly and poorly even. And so as I uh, am in, in those situations and have the opportunity to uh, to try it and see what happens, then that becomes transformative to me. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. The, the struggle for me is there's this inherent expectation of efficiency that I feel myself yeah. wrestling with. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good yeah, that's and it's in a culture. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's the that's the model in typical workplace. That's the model in typical school, and the most efficient way for um, for things to happen is for the expert to come right. and talk to uh, as large a group as possible, or as large a group as will fit in the room. And there's there's inherent in that not just an efficiency, but I think also a lack of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and maybe even a lack of authenticity um, that I get to stand up here with some special knowledge or some special education or something that I have that you don't and, and say these things. Um, Increasingly, as I get older, I become more suspicious of people who, (laughs) who are up in front of the room in, including myself, <laughs> yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, think the more we're in front of the room, the more we become suspicious of other people who, who are in front of the room. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we realize that we don't have that much, uh, to, you know, that is uh, transformative to say. Yeah. If you think about it, think about the old Andy Griffith shows where Andy and Barney sat on the on the porch on a Sunday afternoon after. Aunt B gave him a big meal. What do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do? They, they made comedy out of that. They'd sit there for five minutes, and that'd be the dialogue, this indecision about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? To me, if, if you stand in front of people and you present information, now go sit down on the front porch with them. Now you have something to talk about instead of just sitting there. What do you want to do today? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? But when, when you do have somebody who imparts, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. I think you need some, and think you need fresh information. And if you want to call the guy up front, the expert, he's probably the biggest fool 
He's probably fallen more than anybody else in the room. That's why he knows what he knows. So he gets up and he shares that. And now you get together and you say, now let's unpack this. Let's, where, where are you in your life with this? Where, maybe, you know? Yeah, maybe the grace part of that is he makes it okay to fail at that and yeah. to be where you are. You know, that he doesn't point out the difference between him and you or her and you, but he points out the similarities, and that creates the possibilities that, that we can, uh, that lives can be transformed. And so he's, so whoever that is up front uh, makes a point of connecting with us. You know, I've, I'm like you. I struggle with this. Uh, these are some things that help me. And then we explore those together. I think for me that, you know, I kind of tune out if I feel like the person talking isn't vulnerable or isn't, hasn't been where I am kind of thing. If they have always got it right and always been successful, well, that doesn't. I can't. You know, I can identify with that. Um, I've heard both of you all speak publicly, and the thing that both of you all have in common is that you really respect your your listeners. That you respect. You respect their humanity. You respect the equality with you. I don't know what else, how else to say that, but you, you really value the people who are, so it's not so much like you're saying I'm of one level and you're of another. And so let me tell you how to get up to my level. It's like, no, here I respect where you are. I value where you are. I find this, what yeah. you were saying. I find similarities in your story and mine. Um, but here are some new things that, let's interject into this story yeah and and i know in pathway a lot of times i'll have to just admit i'll have to say i didn't think this up i i've talked to you all and you all are the ones that showed me this and so i'm just putting it into a lesson and to a cohesive lesson yeah which you know yeah i i I think there is a role for uh, folks who are who have been through it or who have um, experienced something or failed or fallen uh, to, to help people make sense of what is happening. Um, yes, yes. And I think that's what Peter does at, at Pentecost. You know, when, when Peter stands up, I don't, I could be reading this wrong, but it's, it's different from Moses coming down from the mountain and telling the Israelites, yeah. this is life now. Right. With the best of intentions. But, but Peter for me is is more helping the folks who are gathered at Pentecost to make sense of this new thing that that they are experiencing together. Moses was the only one that went up on the mountain. Right. Peter is there among yeah. the among right. the folks experiencing it with them and because he was with Jesus, he he can help them make sense right. of it. But at least as I read it there's never this sense of um Peter is somehow elevating himself. Yeah. I mean, how how yeah. could you elevate yourself right. after after you you know done all these right. dumb things? Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah. isn't it interesting what religion has done to Peter? Yeah, we have elevated him to this, like really, yeah. and that's a really good distinction, Jason, of between the way Moses and the way Peter. Are. That that, and you and when you read the Book of Acts, that's 
that's the tone of the book. Yeah. You know, for all of early on, the spokespeople for Jesus had that. Let's figure this out together. It has this organic feel. Grace, like Wayne, like you say all the time, they were exploring exploring the possibilities yeah. of it. Yeah, I think there's that, that sense in which they really believed that something was happening. And they didn't have to make it happen, and they didn't have to control it. They didn't even have to define it. They were just part of it and trying to figure out what where this is going and what it's going to become. And I think that that grace is invites us to that place where it's okay to not know, but but there's something happening. And I think this is uh, the challenge for us is in our culture is to really believe that there's something happening that we don't make happen, that we don't control, that there really is a God who is active in our world and who is present in our lives, and and He's doing things that we can be part of, that. Uh, we don't have to control or, or, or decide how it works. And I think that's what they were doing. Like you're saying, that's what they were doing in Acts. They were, they were just isn't jumping it, in. Isn't it, it just dawned on me, isn't it interesting that to be lost, to li- think about that word, to be lost in grace is to be the most found you'll ever be. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. totally lost. I don't right. know what's going on, yeah. but I'm so found I can't stand right. it. And I'm, I'm just washed, drowned in it. Yeah, I don't want to get out. Yeah, yeah, the disorientation is like (laughs) it goes so counter. We want to nail this sucker down, and and God says, "Good luck with that one." We want to know how what it's going to look like, what to expect, where we can find it. Yeah, we have all these three points and yeah seven habits that we can figure (laughs) out how to make it happen. Yeah. Those points have to alliterate. <laughs> That's oh, right. okay, make it happen. <laughs> to be <worse>. holy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, grace is, is this vulnerability and presence of God that surprises us, astonishes us, shocks us. Uh, but also, I think we know when we experience that. I think it, there's something when we encounter things that are real those moments we our souls recognize those yeah we don't create them but we do recognize them i mean it, it's obvious anybody listening would would know this but it, sometimes you just have to reiterate it all three of us are in the ministry all three of us graduated from the same seminary all three of us stand in front of crowds of people every week and and disseminate information and and yet all three of us are confounded with grace or yeah. confounded by right. it, yeah. and and don't wouldn't claim for a second to have it nailed down or, right. yeah, which I I love. Yeah. I, my uh, my hope is that nobody gathers stones for heretics because <laughs> I uh, I don't want to be stoned, but I do want to have the freedom to explore wherever grace takes me. Yeah. Well, we need to make sure that when we leave here today, that we all scatter. Don't we can't go in the same direction. That's right. <laughs> that way, we'll be harder to track. <laughs> and and uh, Jason has all editing powers, so anything that comes on that you're offended by, it's his fault. Just, just <laughs> make did, that clear. He didn't edit it out. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs>
This has been On Grace with Wendell Van Valen, Wayne Hunter, and me, Jason Brown. <laughs>